you have two Mendes and two Hernandezes all fighting for one left back spot and Luka Dinias and Luka <laughs> Dinias also in that so you have five mid to world class players playing for that one position and all of them are hitting form Havard has a competitor to the right back slot I think it's fair to say you may have heard of him, it's Leo de Boer at Lyon. One Spanish player who's been criminally overlooked and I don't understand why Luis Enrique has overlooked him to this extent is Luis Alberto of SS Lazio. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the only show covering international football and next year's Euros. It is Eurowatch. Today, me and Ritik will be discussing the hopes of two titans of modern football, France and Spain. Ritik, what have you been up to today? Well, just catching up a little bit on uh, the Chelsea game. So for anybody listening, Chelsea, I think won 3-0 against Burnley. Good, uh, good show out for the Blues. Um, Strongest performance of the season, I think, yeah. Yeah, very positive signs ahead. Uh, defensive questions will still be asked by better opposition. But for now, this is the best they can do. Very, very good. Well, I guess the, I wish we had a lot, a lot of Spanish players in the Chelsea team. But Cesar Azpilicueta is the only one. However, we're going go to segue straight into Spain anyway. Ritik, you've covered Spain uh, pretty heavily here. What have you made of their most recent international results and uh, form? Well, Spain... Again, flatter to deceive and a team, I wouldn't say in transition, but more a team that doesn't know what it is or what it's capable of. Um, Luis Enrique, uh, the manager who came back after, you know, having a timeout to take care of his family, came back to the team and is sort of implementing more hybrid 4-3-3 styles but it's almost ahead of the ahead of the two defensive midfielders it's total football and not the best total football it's it's total football when nobody knows where they're playing half the time and then something magically happens and then they magically concede it's it's not the spain of old it's maybe a little bit better than the spain that lost in russia but still wholly wholly unconvincing to me from what i've seen as well is um Luis enrique looking at the different lineups for each game he seems to be mishmashing different players together. I haven't seen any consistent lineups besides Busquets and Rodri generally being in the basement field and Ramos being at the back. Apart from that, it's kind of been experimental, would you say? I would say so. And Enrique, for his part, has backed David De Gea, who is, I, I think is getting back to some of his best form. And uh, with Kepa Balaga being the backup, I mean, I, I would say De Gea is also a shoe-in. But you're very right. It's just those two or three players and everybody else revolves around it. And it's, it's, it's not comforting to see Spain not having a more crystallized 11 going ahead. It's, it's almost like play a new formation against a weaker team, play this formation against a stronger team. And Spain has struggled against the stronger teams. Um, I mean, just looking at you know, their last couple of fixtures, they've lost to the Ukraine, drawn to Portugal, drawn to Germany and drawn to Sweden, and this is in their last uh, eight games, that doesn't make for a good showing because their wins have been against Malta, Romania, Ukraine, and a good, uh, an admittedly good win against Switzerland. But again, wholly unconvincing. Um, and it's a style that's devoid of, of substance, even though Spain seem to have a you know, wealth of attacking uh, talents. 
I, I think before we touch on some of the attacking talents, I would say, because I've got a lot to say about them, we should touch on our, our other team, France, who I think are in direct contrast to Spain. I've heavily studied their recent form. In the last game, in the last 15 games, I believe since 2019, they've lost just one. And that was a, a quite a shock result against Turkey. They lost 2-0. Besides that, they've been pretty dominant and using a very central 4-3-1-2 formation uh, with like a diamond pivot. And unlike Spain, they've kind of been a bit more set. Olivier Giroud generally tends to start up front with Mbappe. Uh, Didier Deschamps is really beginning to implement a direct style on the team, whereas Spain have been a bit more tumultuous with Roberto Moreno, Luis Enrique, as you said, handling the team at different periods of time. Did you point? Did you manage to see anything about uh, France's results that's intrigued you? Again, it's... As, as you said, the switch to a more narrow setup is surprising in the sense that when you look back when you look back to the World Cup, it was pretty much a four two three one in in a sense. It was a more like um it was more akin to four three three with a central midfield one of the central midfielders playing a slightly more advanced role, more like what Coriton Tolisa used to play in the World Cup. But it's sort of been flipped on its head where Deschamps has preferred the um, the target man center forward and then the wide winger as an up front too. Very kind of reminiscent of what Louis Van Hall did with Van Persie and Aryan Robin uh, back in the 2000 and um, what was yeah, it's a great yeah back back in the 2016 World Cup I believe was it no no 2014 2014 and 2012 I imagine yeah 2014 World Cup um, Deschamps again Deschamps and Enrique have two problems with with contrasting application because both of them have selection have have selection headaches whereas in Enrique's case it's putting players who are slightly better than each other in certain regards against certain opposition France outright have three proper starting 11s that could easily make the knockout stages of Europe it's the wealth of talent they have is a little embarrassing and I don't think it's been this good ever yes I yeah it seems like they've just carry on building upon it every year. It feels like every year we, we touch on how good their talent is and, and Eduardo Camavinga comes through or Wesley Fofana comes through and they just keep building these incredible depth of squad and it's, as you've said, it is ridiculous. I don't think there's any other... Could you think of any other nation that rivals that debt i really can't i would maybe maybe say like germany in the mid in in the early to mid 2010s but even that nothing yeah. compared to this i mean you have two mendes and two hernandez is all fighting for one left back spot and luca dinius and luca dinius <laughs> also in that so you have five mid to world class players playing for that one position and all of them are hitting form it's 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 a little embarrassing. Right back, maybe maybe a little a little less um a little less in terms of options, but again, perfectly 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 serviceable. Uh, and again, central midfield, you have out of the blue, Carton Toliso suddenly come back to form with Thiago exiting Bayern Munich. He's sort of taken up the mantle of the creative uh, playmaker in midfield. He's doing that for Bayern Munich. Could well do that for France. And even um, you have people like um, Eduardo Camavinga, who you mentioned. Um, even players, even players like Musa Sissoko, who Deschamps still favors, can come in and put in a shift. And he's doing well for Spurs this season so far. So. So yeah. far, so good. Um, yeah, I think where France and Spain might have a bit of an issue is if they go for wingers on the left wing, on the right wing. Um, 
I don't think both teams have a proper like 4-3-3 strategy. France could play it and could win yeah. because of their um both France and Spain would have to rely on their fullbacks to create that width because um Antoine Griezmann doesn't perform very well being left out on the left flank. It's not something he does well at. Mm. It if anything his best role is as a second striker, maybe to a Giroud or maybe to an Mbappe, which leaves this, you know, this this hole on the left fl- flank for lack of a better term, which yeah. could be filled up by Kingsley Coman, Anthony Martial, or maybe even a resurgent Thomas Lamar. To be fair to France, they do seem to be, they seem very set on their central formation. And I was just about to touch on Griezmann though. You've really brilliantly hit on how he's suffered left wing and right wing for Barcelona. In fact, I have a couple of stats here. So at Barcelona, um, this season, I think he's played nine appearances. Four of those have come at centre attacking midfield, where Coman's experimented a bit before. That's a similar position he plays for France. And in that position, for out of four games, he scored twice and assisted once. Uh, those are his only goal contributions. Uh, he's played off the right this season, contributed nothing. Contributed off, uh, played off the left this season, contributed nothing. And as we saw last season at Barcelona, his numbers really dropped. He's just kind of pushed out to the wing a bit more. The last time... He was really dominant, as most people will generally remember, is at Fletico Madrid. But what some people may not be able to picture vividly is that in that Fletico Madrid system, he would play just behind Diego Costa. Costa would lead the line and Griezmann would play in that hole. And Deschamps has done really well to recognise that Griezmann operates there well. And that's one of France's key benefits, I think. And you, you did mention about the, the problems of width and the contrast in between France and Spain. It's quite, it's quite poignant, I think. France, uh, for the listeners, as I said, they have operated in a 4-3-1-2 and a 4-2-3-1. A 4-2-3-1 seven times their international games, but against Portugal and Croatia, it's been with this diamond, uh, Rabio and Pogba in midfield. I think Deschamps has realised, like you said, their winging, winger's depth isn't great. Whereas, in contrast, I don't think Spain have actually realised that. I don't think Enrique's realised these wingers aren't too strong into on the 4-3-3. I think it's also a problem with how Spain have always treated their wing strength. I mean, ever since ever since, you know, the glory days of Pedro and Iniesta, either on the left and the right, it's become this system of, well, you'll have a right attacking midfielder, you'll have a left attacking midfielder, you have a central attacking midfielder, and all of those guys will um, all those players will theoretically create havoc and allow the central for center forward to, you know, come into space. But what that does, in essence, is limit the off-the-ball capacity that these players have to make. Now, Spain traditionally have been a very good fluid passing, pass-and-move style of play. That's, you know, that's that's the tikataka that yeah. they were built on, that they won championships with. But now with Luis Enrique, it seems to be shifting more towards a practical double-pivot system, be that with Rodri, be that with Sergio Busquets, be that with Thiago Alcantara. Uh, and what that, what's that... What, that's done is for players like Oyazbaral and Dani Olmo, and even to an extent when he does play um, uh, uh, Marco Asensio, is they're more stuck to those central positions right between the midfielders and the forward, where they're relying on short passes and quick one-twos and maybe a piece of genius to get the kind of result they want. And that's sort of choking them into making those off the ball runs. Now Spain have very good fullbacks in, you know, the sense of uh, uh, Jesus Navas, Dan Carvajal on the right, uh, Jose Gaya, Sergio Reguilón, and if they if they want him, if he wants to bring him out of the cold, 
um, Jordi Alba. And these are people who can create that type of width. But what that entire condition precipitates is that if the wing, if the fullbacks go back up and the attackers stay up, there's that defensive line in front of the defenders, which it doesn't do much because Rodri and Sergio Busquets, for all their abilities, have been porous. And it puts pressure on the remaining centre-backs and the goalkeeper to handle maybe two or three players. And this is where I see a problem for Spain, maybe heading into the Euros, where you know faster teams with more overloaded attacks can really target that one single pivot and you know, yeah, overload. Yeah, I, I was thinking that as well. Busquets, I think he's a bit too old to be starting at this point. But you were bringing up the defenders. I, I knew before we recorded this podcast, you mentioned how you were look you were a bit troubled by the defenders. I was look I took one look at Spain's lineups and I could see that and left back and right back, particularly right back, they look really, really weak. Perhaps you could outline that for the viewers. I mean Sergio Roberto at right back, is that really a viable option in twenty twenty? I think Sergio Roberto I think Sergio Roberto will be a backup right back. It, it it's almost like the nacho situation. I I do believe that by the time the Euro twenty twenty rolls out, if it does happen, uh, Danny Carvajal and Jesus Navas will be the starting two right backs. And Jesus Navas is someone who's really come into his come into his home at Sevilla. He's you know captaining the team. He's either playing at right wing or right back and doing well at both because he offers what Carvajal does and in where Carvajal uses crosses and long balls to try and get. The ball to a central striker. Uh, Jesus Navas is much better with the ball and holding the ball and dribbling it straight down the um, flank and then getting the attacker involved. Uh, Sergio Roberto, I don't, I he'll believe, I believe he'll just be a Swiss Army knife, an adult Swiss Army knife at that, both for Barcelona and for the Spanish national team. Um, I feel that right back isn't as big of a problem. It's the centre back partner to. Uh, Sergio Ramos, which I feel a bit tense about, and like on that on that point, I've always looked at France's centre back options with you know great amazement. But sometimes when I look at them playing international football, where the attackers do so much, when when they're really called upon to do you know to defend in tight situations, I'm I, I find myself slightly unconvinced by France's centre back options. I think most people have been unconvinced by Rafael Varane as well as of late. He's had a couple of shoddy performances, particularly against City in the Champions League. But I guess the good point for France is that they have Kempembe, uh, Deo Opapacano, uh, Kurt Zuma. So many players can step in. But Bernardo, I was actually going to say, yeah. yes, there you go. Uh, but I was going to say, one place maybe France have a tiny bit short of depth is at right back. Now, most people will remember Benjamin Pavard's excellent goal. Uh, the last international tournament at uh, uh, the World Cup, but Pavard has a competitor to the right back slot. I think it's fair to say. Uh, you may have heard of him. It's Leo De Boer at Lyon. Now, this is one positive headache I think Deschamps has on his mind, but something Pavard has to watch out for. Pavard, uh, for the readers, he uh, for the readers for the listeners. Sorry, guys. He is a bit more of a defensive right back. He used to be a centre back at Stuttgart. He converted to a right back for France. And he generally puts under one dribble a game, under one cross per game. Whereas Dubois has started this season excellently for a struggling Leon side. He's already scored a really good goal He's, um, when he was attacking against Lorient, where he managed to cut inside from the far uh, far right of a wing-back system. He's generally been excellent at bombing forward. And it's given the a bit of a positive headache, as I said, because 
as Ritik's outlined, they've got five excellent left backs on one flank. And I think Lucas Digne also has a shot of breaking into that uh, spot at left back. Yeah, but um, Dubois, perhaps one player who could break in onto the right, I would say. Uh, um, what about, Rit- yeah, so that, that also brings me to one other point. Because apart from Dubois, and, and here's, here's the problem that they have. Their next most, after, after I believe Pava, their next most capped right back option options, I would say, in, in, in Dio, uh, Jibril Sidibe and Mathieu Debussy. Um, Sidibe, who plies his trade for Everton, doesn't start very often. And Debussy, who's had a bit of a renaissance at AS Saint-Étienne, but again, is an older player. But when you come to tournaments, I feel like experience in the international team is so paramount. That, that being said, I do have to say, Debussy... It, on paper last season, he did actually have a bit of a renaissance, but at the start of this season, he's seen his game time a bit more limited at Sanity and uh, Clubhouse put in a, a youth revolution. I agree with the experience, but I don't. Debu- that's the issue of the right back. I don't think Debushi's got any shot at looking, sadly. Sidibe might, though, but he's struggling, I believe, back in Monaco. Who do you think is probably the key player to Spain? Because in attack, I've noticed that on the right, they've Got a, not many options. You've got Adamo Traore, who's a bit inconsistent. Pablo Sarabia, who's very inconsistent now. On the left, you've got Fatty, but he's very young. Oyarzabal, perhaps there as well. Who do you think is probably the key player for Spain to look to, similar to Griezmann? I feel from an attacking point, from an attacking point of view, um, and as as much as his inexperience is there. I believe in the next six months, you're going to see Ansu Fati break out like nothing else. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because in his short Spain career that he's had so far, he plays with zero fear. This is a man who's turning 18 this week. He plays with zero fear. He comes forward and it's, it's, it's incumbent upon all the other attackers to match him and match his running and be there at the end of a cross when he plays it. He's, he's sort of the... Um, He's very unpredictable in the sense that people don't expect so much of someone so ex- inexperienced, but it, it, he follows the older dodge. If you're good enough, you're old enough. And it, it's, it's almost where Marcus Rashford was about two years ago. And Ansu Fati is someone who is staking his claim to be a starter at Barcelona. However troubled the club might be, if you can do that, you have ability that you know, should not be taken uh, lightly. And, he does have um, four goals already in four games, doesn't he? And so he's already on his he way does. to being seven. He's he's on his way to being in that regular conversation. Luis Enrique, to his credit, has recognized that, and he's given people the opportunities. Um, because the problem with international football um, is that when you come to the you know the make it or break it stages, you have to have that sort of. You have to be able to function and punch above your weight and do what the situation demands. And I feel like Ansu Fati is a young, young, young player has really risen up to every situation that's been demanded of him. But that's the only just... Sorry, the only objection I would have to him, because I, I agree, he, I, I'm someone who doesn't follow the Liga too closely, but look at his stats, he's been really good. And the comparison to Marcus Ratchet, he's looking great. But then... My my key player, I would look at, although I've not looked into it as much as you have. You've met, you've had the benefit of better coverage, but Ayazabal just looks too good to ignore. Last season, ten goals, eleven assists, and they both unfortunately operate off the left hand side, don't they? Do you think there's a way they could fit both in? Because I know Ayazabal's no, very no. first fit on the right, 
Yeah, there, of course. Again, it's 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 if it's if Luis Enrique wants to play four two three one or he wants to play a four three three with wingers because mm-hmm. Ansu Fati is a winger right now who can cut in and score, whereas Oyasbaral is more of a you know a central attacking midfielder who can drift to the left and the right, much in the vein of Dani Olmo. Um, but bo- the problem I have with Spain and um, it's 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 sort of with that attacking midfielder position where you know Asensio can also come in is that. One player, one Spanish player who's been criminally overlooked, and I don't understand why Luis Enrique has overlooked him to this extent, is Luis Alberto of SS Lazio. He had 12 assists last season and I believe 14 goals. Well, Lazio came second in Serie A and he hasn't had a cap since 2017. And he's tall, fast, direct and experienced. Maybe not experienced in the, in the national team, but... He plays outside of Spain. He's used to different systems. He's ex- more exposed and more exposed to a lot of other players, uh, other leagues than most of the players in the Spanish team. And and I don't think that he should be frozen out like this. He should be given an opportunity. Yeah. If players like Danny Ceballos are getting an opportunity at central attacking midfield while fluffing his lines for Arsenal, I don't see why a player like Luis Alberto can't be given an opportunity. And Absolutely. he would, yeah. he would, he would function so well in that fulcrum of bringing the ball from defense to attack. I mean, last year, if anybody's had the you know privilege of uh, watching Lazio last year, ball from Milinkovic to Sa- Milinkovic Savic to Chiro Mobile would inevitably go through Luis Alberto. And it's it's he's such a fulcrum. He's such a fast transistor of the ball. And when you have when you when you pair him with someone like maybe you know Jesus Navas on the right wing, or if you pair him with someone like Ferran Torres, who's coming into form at Man City, this is a team that switches from being you know slow and deliberative on the ball to more direct. And then you have a player if if you if you pair them with an off the ball um, uh, striker like uh, Alvaro Morata, who to, for, for all intents and purposes is having a good start to his uh, second stint at Juventus. You know, this is a team that can be more direct. Spain's lack of directness yeah. and lack of intent is really going to hurt them. Where they find, like, at the end of it, they're going to look at goals from penalties or maybe goals from set pieces. And then you have your most important player, uh, Sergio Ramos, uh, trying to be your goal threat. And it's, yeah. it's not something that either should happen or be, is sustainable. It doesn't yeah. look right at all. Yeah. It doesn't look right at all. Before... I'll let you uh, finish off your prediction of it. We'll close up on France because I think my prediction, for I'm not sure about you, it leans very heavily on the form and the appearances of Olivier Giroud. A quote has recently been resurfaced of Eden Hazard, labelling, he did label Giroud the best target man in the world. And obviously that ability to link up play hasn't evaporated, evaporated in the past uh, year or so. If Giroud does continue to suffer a lack of playtime at Chelsea, beginning to happen there isn't really a replacement for him and if he doesn't get picked for the Euros then France are lacking that key target man which Deschamps clearly likes as everyone remembers he played every minute of France's World Cup victory so if I'm going to predict France at the moment right now I previously said in the last show that I think they will win it but delving into a bit more if Giroud is out and doesn't see enough play time if he doesn't get moved for Chelsea and he doesn't get those minutes, then France could be in a bit more bother. Perhaps Portugal, I believe the team that I predicted last time to win, they will have a better opportunity. But as it stands, if Giroud stays, I think he will win. I think France will win. Uh, 
Ritik, what do you think about France and Spain? Uh, I think France will um, either be in the finals or win it. Okay, what about Spain? Uh, Spain, I see another quarterfinal exit, barring a great individual performance. That is quite interesting because I've got the exact same thing. I think they're going to finish in the quarterfinals. I don't think I can't yeah. see them going further. I've got it noted down. I don't think that, as you've touched on, I don't think they have the right attacking setup. And the Luis Alberto point was fantastic. If he doesn't come, if they don't get a player to help create goals and link their defensive midfield to the attack, then I think it's going to be another disappointing finish for them. But there you go. We've got both predictions. We've got France still to win it and Spain in the quarterfinals. Perhaps they'll be facing England. That'll be a bit more interesting, wouldn't it? And it's been another good show of Eurowatch. You'll see us again pretty soon. Ritik, have you got any team you think we should cover next time for the viewers? I would love to tell the uh, viewers a little bit about a young and burgeoning Italian team, as well as the perennial dark horses and, well, quite favourites, uh, Belgium. Belgium's on my mind too, actually. Italy is an interesting one. So we might look at them next time. All right, that was a fantastic show, guys. We'll hope to see you soon. Sign it off now. Thanks, hope guys. to see you soon.